Welcome all our visitors. It's good to have you back, David. Yeah, I was looking for you. I was going to arrest you, brother. <laughs> He's a cop, so I'm just arresting him. <laughs> Somebody's going to arrest the policeman. <laughs> you won't, he won't find it funny. <laughs> Let's go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Now, most times I just I pray, and I'm asking God, exactly what do you want me to share with your people? And uh, tonight I'm going to talk about worry. Ugh, that's painful. Worry. Uh, the spiritual word for it is, I'm deeply concerned. <laughs> uh, that's when the spiritual people speak. They don't use the word worry. They know that's not a good word. I'm deeply concerned. To the point where I'm not having a good night rest. Worry. Uh, Jesus says, don't take any thought. In other words, don't even think about it. Don't think about it. Uh, there was a, a preacher that preached on worry. And then he finally, when he got through his message, he said, now I want every one of you, if you have worry, please come up here and, and we're going to pray for you. And God's going to take away your worries. And a lady sat back. And that lady said, hey, I know you have a lot of worry, but why don't you go off for prayer? She says, I don't want to go. If God takes away all my worries, what would I have to worry about if it is? Got something to, I have to have something to worry about. Anxious, oppressive, destructive, distracting thoughts. So, so important. This is possibly the greatest sin that Jesus warned his church about. And he gave a lot of reasons. And I'm going to show you from the word. Because worry can actually distract you to the point where you believe you have to do something about it. Now you're not long, no longer looking to God. You're looking to yourself for help. And you were not built to do that. And if you don't, you're looking for others to help. You can't. You worry because you can't trust God. That's the reason. It's disquieting. Destructing. Destructive. Disquieting. Thoughts. Very oppressive. To the point where you are not able, sometimes you are not able to sleep. And it's hard to pray. Because your mind is not at rest. And the words going through your head incessantly. Images. All evil that's coming to you 
because of the condition that you think you are in. And none of it ever happens. But it's done something to you. It's done something to you. So God wants us not to go there. And to me, there is one scripture you can always stand on. Because you are a child of God. Possibly too. (laughs) Because God tells us in the word, Romans chapter 8 has all of them. He said, if he didn't spare his son, but he delivered his son for all of us, for, for us all. If he didn't spare his son, the one from whom everything that you see came into being, yet God did not spare his son for your sake, all because of you. And he says, how shall he not with him freely give you all things. Well, if you have all things, what have you to worry about? You don't. You worry because you don't trust him. That's the reason we worry. And Jesus knew this. That's why he said, "Don't take after the prayer." That's uh, Matthew chapter eight. Pray to the Lord this way, and then he goes forgiveness, and then he goes into this issue. Take no thought. Don't worry. So, be carefree and yet responsible. Carefree and yet responsible. That's a spiritual place to be. Only the Holy Spirit can put you in a place like that. Based out of trust. Carefree yet responsible. That's where God wants you to be. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. That's the beginning of this discussion. First thing Jesus tells us. And then after he tells us this, he says, therefore, because of what I have told you, don't worry. Why? Because worry brings you into a place where you no longer have one master, you have another master. It says, no one can serve two masters. No one means no one. You can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. That's usually, if you have two individuals that you are responsible to, and you have to serve these two people, you, eventually you have to choose. Because you can't. It's not in us to do it. You cannot serve two masters. You have to choose. And Jesus tells us the, the reason for that. For either he will hate the one and love the other, the one that you hate will notice. Hello? He'll notice. Or she'll notice. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. In other words, oh, this one doesn't matter. And they notice. So God says you can't. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the word mammon, we always talk about, think about it as money. But that's not what it is. The root word for the word mammon is gain. 
gain. There are things we are concerned about. Many times we are not even concerned about what's happening to us. What we are concerned about is how we are viewed by people. Right? What will they say? What will they think? You are in debt, but nobody knows about it. And you're not as worried. But if now they're trying to possess your car, you know everybody's going to know about it. Now you're worried. Not because you, are, you were not in debt, but now everybody's going to know about it. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Stepping in somebody's shoes. I'm sorry. And it's painful. The shame. But God says, don't go there. Don't go there. Gain. That's mammon. What you bring to yourself. What you beautify yourself for everybody to see. It's gain. Whether I am successful or not successful, it's gain. Right? Whether I have a good house or I don't have a good house. I have something to eat or I have to beg. It's gain. But look at what Paul said. But what things were gain to me? These I have counted loss for what? For Christ. For Christ. It was a deliberate act. Those things don't matter. I, at the time, I considered them gain. Whether I studying under Gamaliel or doing stuff, I considered it gain. I want to be known in Israel. But now, those don't matter. They were gained, but now, they're gone, they're lost. And Paul tells us, This was the heart of the man of God. No wonder he was so great. We concern ourselves with things that God is already concerned himself with. He says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. We consider this. He says, but what things were gained to me? So there was a time it was gained to him. But as far as he was concerned, he could care less what the people of Israel thought about Paul. They mattered to him. All he wanted was the real thing, Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all those things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Or there is an excellence in knowing Christ. He pursued knowledge with Gamaliel. He wanted to be part of the Sanhedrin that rise up to be well known. But now those things didn't matter. Knowing Christ was more excellent than every other thing. If that's important to you, you got mammon in your life. And guess what? Now you're serving two masters. And Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. I counted all of those things to be lost. For the excellence of the knowledge. There is an excellence to the knowledge of Christ. He pursued it. Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. 
and count them to be as rubbish. That I may gain. See, do you use the word again? That I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. That's very important. So Jesus said to us very clearly, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's verse 24. And then verse 25, he says, therefore, because of what I've told you, he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. What are we worrying about life? Generally, it's what to eat. You want to live. You want to continue to live. What to eat or what you will drink. Know about your body. He's taking care of all of it. What you will put on. And then he tells you. It's not life more than food. And the body more than clothing. Food, these are clothing, cars, houses. They perish with the using. And Paul tells us in Colossians, why are you doing all this stuff? These are things, you put so much emphasis in all of these things. These are things that perish with the using. Colossians tells us that. And we shouldn't focus much on that. Notice what I said. Carefree, but yet responsible. Carefree, but responsible. Because the world can see if you are irresponsible. And they don't. That's not beautiful. But they can know when you are responsible and everyone is going through something. But you are not, it's not weighing on you. They know your trust is in God. Nothing those things. Nothing those things. You know what worry does? You can be as happy as you could be. And then you go to the mailbox and a letter that you were not respecting shows up. You were laughing a few minutes back. But by the time you go through the letter... It's like life's going to end today. Everything is over. Question, did God know? Did God know that that letter was coming? Didn't he say he has given you all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness? Didn't he say if those things come, turn them over to him? Come unto me all who... All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me take care of it. Is, is he able to take care of the problem? All things work together for good. That's the second one. All things. That's a principle that every Christian person should live by. No matter what's going on. No one is perfect. But there are righteous people. And I'm looking at righteous people tonight. Because Jesus made you righteous. Jesus made you righteous. 
There's nothing bigger. Righteous means you have right standing with God. You can come into his presence. In fact, he's invite you to, inviting you to come boldly to the throne of grace. It's the throne of grace. Because he made you righteous. And you work out your righteousness and produce fruits of righteousness for God. But you are already righteous. So God's working in your life. And it's asking you, don't worry about these things. Just focus. All things work together for good. All things. Even that thing that came in the mail, it wasn't by accident. We don't try to bring God into that situation. That's why we come into that. That's why Proverbs chapter 3 says, In all your doings, acknowledge him. Bring him in. Because he's part of your life now. Jesus said, If anyone believes and loves me, he will keep my word. And I and my father will come and make our dwelling with you. He is part of your life. He is an intimate part. He's part of your life. He's right there with you daily. You go to sleep. He doesn't go to sleep. Doesn't need it. He can see things that you can't see. Yet, he is part of your life. Intimately part of your life. And he's part of your family. If a person is dwelling with me, that's, he becomes a part of my family. Today, Ashley is part of my family. Right? She's part of my family. So when, she, when they dwell with me, and we're family, we're family. Whatever affects my wife is going to affect me. You know, the scripture, Jesus says, if you earthly fathers know how to do good, well, he is the heavenly father in my house. And if anything is going wrong, he's aware of it. Right? He's fully aware of it. And man, he's able to take care of it. All things work together for good. Who knows? Maybe whatever you're going through is just a test for promotion. When you don't trust God, like the children of Israel, the next thing that happens, you complain. I see a lot of Christians complaining. And they think it's like they're asking questions. I usually like to just walk away, don't want to listen. Because that's, that's not the place for a believer to be, really. But everyone is going through something. Everyone. And most of it is a test that God has allowed because he sees fit, sees you fit to handle that test. He will not allow a test to come to you that you cannot handle, right? That's what the world tells us. So if God allows you, he's already graced you or given you grace enough to pass the test. Why are you going to disappoint him by complaining? That's what they did in the wilderness. And they disappointed God. He was very unhappy with them. He could have just taken them from Egypt and straight into the promised land. But they need to go through the test. So that's very important. All things work together for good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to what? 
His purpose, what of if his te- that test was causing you to be anxious, was given to you because of God's purpose. You are his child. He knows that, and you know that. And he knows that better than you know it. Jesus said, I know my sheep. So he knows you personally. And has committed himself to you. To be a part of your life. Because you accepted him. So whenever you're sad, he is also sad. In this scripture, Jesus, when Jesus came to, uh, uh, Lazarus was dead, right? Remember? And they were crying. Martha was crying. Mary was crying. And the people, you know, if you go around people who are mourning, one person starts with the crying. Before long, this disease spreads around the room. (laughs) Everyone is crying. Right? But Jesus knew what he was going to do. You give me, tell me why he was weeping. Not crying. I said weeping. Why was he weeping? He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? That's a happy thing. So why was he weeping? Because he felt the pain that they were going through. He felt it. Even though he knew what he was going to do, he felt it. And the people noticed. They said, oh, how he loved him. And then they said, well, couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind, that's born blind, chapter 9, couldn't he have prevented this man from dying? They knew why he was crying. But they didn't think there was something more than that. Yet he had everything under his control. And yet he felt. So whatever you're going through, God's feeling it. If you've made him part of your life. It's like God says he will be with you in trouble. You know that scripture? Psalm 91. He will be with you in trouble, but he will also deliver you. He's with you when you're going through it. He's feeling it, but he has the ability to deliver. All things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. You know, whenever things hit us, and it doesn't make sense. My mind switch. You got to leave the part of just loving God. Maybe this is part of His purpose. See, I don't. You know, my mind always goes back to to Joseph. If if God left Joseph alone, he will never be near Pharaoh. Right? But how did he get to Pharaoh? Through a lot of suffering and tests. He had to be separated from his beloved father. And a slave. And that's not bad enough. A prisoner also. But all of it, God was bringing him closer and closer. First Potiphar, who worked with Pharaoh closely. And then Pharaoh's workers, right with him in prison. If he hadn't been in prison... There was no way he could meet the guy who gives Pharaoh wine to drink. But God had all of this. But I love Joseph because you never hear a word of complaint from his mouth. 
He never even desired to go look for his father. Even when he had good favor with his master. Let me just go home and see my father. I'll say, come on, nothing like that. He stayed with God's will for his life. And the Bible was clear. But God was with Joseph. Says it all. In other words, God was pleased with his attitude. He wasn't complaining. That was the difference. Read about uh, David. All his troubles. Never complained about it against God. Well, the prophet Samuel anointed me. Why am I having to go through all of this? Nothing. When you don't believe, you start being anxious, and then you complain. And once you start complaining, God's heard it from your mouth. You feel it, you think you have a right for to do that. But you've destroyed everything. And God will not let you go, but you may have to go around the wilderness for another time, back for the test. God, I found your scripture, okay? And, and I've shared it with some people. You know what Satan wants you to do? To serve God without gladness of heart. You're still going to church, but you're sad. That's where Satan wants you to be. (laughs) When I found that scripture, my eyes got opened. And I told myself, even when I'm down, (laughs) I will try to make myself happy. Amen. And you try to make yourself happy. I heard, uh, I heard, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember the guy who come back to me. Who was having so much trouble financially. All his business was going down. Another haze. And, and, and then he left. He never told anybody. He was with Kenneth Hagen. And Kenneth Hagen prophesied about different things. And then he said, he was sitting there. Man, that's the way he says. I was just minding my own business. And he, he was prophesying, listening to him. And then Kenneth Hagin turned to him and said, you know what your problem is? He says, huh? My problem? He says, your problem is you are not laughing at the devil. He says, really? So he went back to his office. And after, after the employees leave, he walk around the building laughing. Ha, 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 ha. He said he was doing that. He said, did you guys tell I never felt like laughing. I felt like crying. It was so bad. But everything turned around. Let me go back to the scripture. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 28. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Why? Because you did not serve the Lord with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 he says God has given us all things God has given us all things spiritual things in heavenly places and second, second uh, Peter verse, chapter 1 verse 3 all both of them verse 3 he says the same thing he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places and then he tells us in the same, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
is given to us in promises form. We should rejoice over this. So that's what God did for them. Listen to what it says. For the abundance of everything. Therefore you shall serve your enemies. Because you are not serving God with gladness of heart. Guess what? Your problems will increase. That's what he's saying. You serve your enemies. Whom the Lord will send against you. In hunger. See everything. Why? No gladness of heart in serving God. That's the only reason he's given here. In hunger, in thirst, in nakedness. Do you know what that scripture says? The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. This is what he's talking about. It's not physical strength. His spiritual strength to bring all things that pertain to life and godliness your way. But you know what worry does? Worry wants to rob that joy from you. And Jesus said, my joy I give to you. Now you can't sleep. You're not happy. You don't feel like going to church. And certainly you don't feel like praying. And you don't want to read your Bible. What good does it enjoy? See? That's the problem. Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, and in nakedness, and in need of everything. In need of everything. But that's what God has already provided. But now you are in need of everything. And the Lord shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. And he will put a yoke of iron, that is your enemy is going to put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. I saw that scripture and I told myself, even if I'm not feeling like it naturally, when it's time to praise God, my hands will be up. Hallelujah. If they are shouting, even if I feel like crying inside, I will shout with them. Amen. And when you do that, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. So why is God saying this? Because he knows circumstances will come your way that is going to, it's a test. If you don't trust God, you will fall the other way. You cannot serve God and gain. You can't do that. But if you're serving God, your focus is in God's purpose. Everything will work together for your good. You don't have to worry. Because God is not sleeping. The way I say God, when he's not ready to do anything, to do something... That's where you read in the scripture, uh, a thousand years is like one day. He's not ready for it yet. But when he gets ready to do it, even one minute is like a hundred years. He can't wait. That's God's way. He's going to finish his work. You know, Jesus talked about having a single eye. Bad eye, single eye. And I talked about this on Sunday. 
When you begin to worry, you have developed a bad habit. Because God's no longer your God. That's what Jesus said. You can't serve two masters. He says, therefore, because of what I've told you, don't go there because this is evil. You will stop serving me and you have another master. That's what he said. You can read the scripture, verse 24 and then verse 25. You can't serve two masters. Therefore, because of what I told you, don't, don't go there. Don't worry. Jesus tells us we should be focused on God and God alone. No matter what's going on, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm a child of God. That's my identity. I'm a Christian. You are a Christian. That's what, what, that must be what's most important. It's not what comes your way. God will give you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. And he'll never fail. If you trust him, he'll do it. But all of these things come and he allows it to see what you will do. If you will lose heart and turn to somebody else, and I believe it was Jeremiah talk about the fact that you're cursed if you put your trust in man. Either you trust man or you trust in your flesh. But you, can, you have to trust God. The lamp of the body is the eye, Jesus says. If therefore your eye is good or single, focused on God, your whole body will be full of light. I heard them songs tonight and Larry, Brother Larry speaking tonight. Everything is talking about this. The light. Your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is single, your eye is good. But if your eye is bad, if you don't see things God's way, then your whole body is full of darkness. And if the light, the light that you say you have as a Christian is darkness, Jesus says, how great is that darkness? It's, it's, it's hard to recover. And... and, 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 and Worry can take you to that place. And Satan is good at that. Just, you know, I, I came up with this thing. If, you, if Satan is, is actively involved in this, on and on, over the night, just telling you things about, just from one thing, that, simple thing that happened, before you know, before the, some, you start crying for something that will never happen. Am I, am I talking to myself? I'm sure everybody's gone through this. And he tells you and gives you all of these horrible pictures that this will happen because of this little thing that happens, that happened to you. So I've come up with this thing. If you go to Satan and you're asking for direction, and Mr. Satan says, uh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, just go this way. Say, thank you, Mr. Satan, and go the other way. And you will not be wrong. You will finally get to your destination. So, I know when he's telling me all this crazy stuff, this is going to happen, that's the time to shout. Because the real thing that's happened is good. Why is he so bothered by this? To the point of tormenting me, you know, worry is fear also. Some kind of fear. And the Bible says fear has torment. 
And God doesn't torment his people. So you know who is behind it. And so when you're feeling that torment and all those imaginations of things that will happen based on something that you read or something that somebody said, if you trust God, the reverse is the case. Why? Because all things work together for good. And God cannot lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. So I'm going to stay with what God says. In Psalm 123, verse 1 and 2. Unto you I lift up my eyes. You're lifting up your eyes to God. O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, behold, as the eyes of a servant look to the hands of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. Until he has mercy on us. That's where to look. When concerns come, you're looking straight to God. That's the way God wants it. You know the things that, of life that we are concerned about? Not too much time. Uh, for our bellies. What to eat. We think about that. Things that distract us from God. Ease. Rest. These things seem no big deal. God understands. I'm not going to church today. Why? If you knew Jesus was there in person, are you going to stay home? No matter how tired you are. If you're sure... They said, Jesus was there last night. You missed it. Tonight again, he's going to be there. And we saw him in person. Right? He stood among us. <laughs> you're tired. You know you're not staying home, right? Ah, so you have to see him first physically for you to, to obey. He sees all of those things. He can't hide them from him. He knows what's going on. But you're tired. But I'm still going to the house of God. And that's not to say you can't stay home when you're feeling tired. That's, that's not doctrine I'm speaking of. But it's what is going on inside your head. Right? But you need God. It's a commitment you have to make for life. Today, I mean, nothing wrong with these things, but you have to evaluate things that's going on. You know, even in the church, sometimes I think about these things. It used to be, uh, when I was in Georgia, probably college station, Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday, that's a hard time to go to church in the evening. Every pastor knows that, right? Super Bowl night, even if Jesus was right there, we still people say, stay home. Yeah, it's Super Bowl. Jesus understands. Super Bowl. Right? It sounds funny. But you can take some, just little things can become so big in your life where 
is now becoming another master. And you are totally unaware of it. That's where the light that you have is becoming darkness. And it's great darkness. You're not to, you are not aware anymore. It's a serious place to be. Harmless and yet destructive. And so when trouble comes, you can't trust God. I got to go real quick. You know, because I'm not going to come back to this message. You know something? Jesus said, why do you take thought? Consider the birds of the air. They don't gather food. They don't store food. Right? He says, but your heavenly father feeds them. What is he talking about? You th- birds, you don't see birds just laying around, right? For all of God's creation, God has inbuilt in that creation is survival. The whole creation. And Jesus said, consider, you're better than them. They don't think about storing anything. They don't even, they can't think that way. But instinctively, they have, they've been built. They know when it's coming cold to migrate. Nobody teaches them that. God in building them, their survival and their provision. How to get it. They don't sit around. He's in building them. And so God for us as children, he has everything in control. And he says, don't worry. I'll take care of you. He inbuilt in those things how to take care of themselves. Birds don't sit around. They don't know how to store for the future. But every day, early in the morning, you're sharing them. And they're flying back and forth. And they know exactly where to go to find what God has provided for them. The same way and more for us Christians. He will take care of you. Love the sound. God will take care of you. Be not afraid. He shall save God through sunshine and shade. That's God. The lilies. God said, look. He built in them how to bring out their beauty. They don't have to strive to do it. It's built there. In them. And God says, even Solomon, even Solomon was, couldn't array himself as one of these. What is he saying? God saying, I, you as a believer, when I brought you in, have provided, and I'll take care of you, even till the very end. Only trust me. You know what he added? Oh, ye of little faith. The reason you are so concerned, uh, that's the spiritual word. So worried, that's the other word. You can't trust him. You can't trust him to help you with the trouble. So you spend time crying, and you spend time calling and crying before people. No confidence. You've lost your, he's no longer there. He's somebody else you're looking for to be here to, to help you. 
You don't have confidence until the lawyer tells you, I can take care of that. Now, you're back up happy. Why didn't you talk to God? You can't serve two masters. Your allegiance is moved. You trust the word of man more. And they may disappoint you and fail you on that day in court. But if God says to you, don't worry, son, I'll take care of you. Believe me, he will bring everyone, including the judge, everyone to help you. He is God. So Jesus said, don't go with this end as a believer, because he will take you away from God. He says in verse 33, chapter 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's number one. That's the most important thing. That's the number one thing. We don't trust him enough. To cast our cares upon him. In other words, to be carefree and yet responsible. Carefree, I'm not worried. Because God is. God's not dead. He knows what's going on. He saw it and planned for you from the foundation of the world. When I discovered that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world, he had me there with him and knew me before that took place, before the world was. How could he forget me now when he knew me way back then? How could he forget my family? How could he forget my children? You know, just just recently, I was going to go through the Bible and find out everywhere God says, your children's children. And I'm going to do it. Because uh, my son is going to have some kids now. (laughs) But really, it was my interest. I'm going to go through the Bible and find out everywhere it talks about your children's children. And I'm going to look for all of the good scriptures. And the ones that's bad, those that are not for my children, okay? Can sue them out. Okay? And the ones that are good for my children, I will proclaim them. Amen. Because that's what he said. Your children's children. He doesn't forget. Doesn't. Amen? My time is up, so stand up. It's really a question of trust. Can you trust God? I know every one of us is going through something today. Everybody is just the way of life. There's something that Satan wants you to hold on to to make you fret. Psalm 37 says, don't fret yourself. Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Even if there seems to be some confusion going on, God's are rearranging things. Amen? And something good is going to come out of it. Don't always put yourself in your thought something evil that's going to happen to you. You have a heavenly father now. You are no longer alone in the world. God's with you. And he loves you dearly and will take care of you. How many believe that tonight? You believe that tonight, then let go of the worry. 
Don't even speak it. It's better if you say with your mouth, I'm trusting in God. Just like David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff comfort me. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's the God we serve. Amen? That's the God we serve. My thing, I was crying out to God, God, please let us see it tonight. And trust you. That honors him when we trust him. And even though we are in trouble, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we care less. Get responsible. They could care less about the fire. That's God. We have God. We are not afraid of that fire. That's what you should say to God tonight. Amen? God's going to take care of you. Amen? God will. Would you lift your hands up to God tonight? And let Him know how much you trust Him. Sometimes just telling Him, God, I trust you with all of my heart. And please help me to trust you with all of my heart. Amen. But then make that strong confession. God, I trust you. I believe that all things are working together for my good. Yes, your word says it. And I know, God, you cannot lie. You cannot lie. I trust in your word. I trust in your word. You cannot lie. You are my heavenly father. Yes, things may have gone Alright, things may have gone wrong. But yes, God, you are taking those things and every other thing and you're working everything together for my good. I believe that. That honors God and God says everyone that honors him, he will honor. God will honor you as you believe him. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we trust in our God. We trust in your goodness. We trust in your mercy. You took the initiative to bring us close to you. You came to dwell among us. You made your tent with man. And Lord, we welcome you into our lives. And we are not afraid of trouble because we have you. We know that all things work together for our good because we love you. And Lord, we want your purpose to be fully accomplished in our lives. Bless your people tonight. And give every one of them rest from their troubles. Knowing that we've taken our troubles. We've come to you. And we're giving our troubles to you. And we're leaving them before you, God. We know you'll help us. And we're very grateful. Like Hannah, we leave your presence joyful tonight. And we will serve you with joy and gladness of heart. So we, can, we will never be victims to our enemies. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.